Shalom and welcome brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream. My name is Adam, your host, and I welcome you. Today we're going to be talking about the extra biblical books. Should we read them? Should we not? We're going to be talking all about it. Stay tuned. Okay, so here we are at www.parableofthevineyard.com slash the word. Everything we go over today is in article format. So therefore, all the notes are here for you. All the study notes, everything I go over tonight will be here for you. So if you forget to take notes or you want to like, oh, what was that one verse that uh, he was talking about or such and such? Or maybe you know somebody that doesn't care for videos. You can just share that with them an article. So I figured a lot of people or a lot of people were asking that, this is the preferred way of learning, so here we are. Anyways, so today we're going to talk all about the extra biblical books, what I call the fullness of the word, and I'll explain that here just in a moment. Before we get started, though, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Most High, we come before you and bless you in your Son's name, Yahushua HaMashiach, our Master, and we just thank you so much for forgiving us of our sins, for opening our eyes to truth, Father, and for giving us your word and showing us that your word is truth and we're to walk it out with all fear and trembling. Father, we love you. May eyes and ears be opened as we study this. In Messiah Yahushua's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so here we go. So let's start with this. I love this verse. This is Proverbs 25, 2. It says, It is the glory of Elohim to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. So, well, Yahuwah himself, our Heavenly Father, can conceal things, but it's our honor to go and search out these matters and that is what we're going to do today with this topic of extra biblical books because you know really on this topic there's no fence writing people are either uh, for it they're either for reading these uh, books or some people are are just like no stay away they're bad uh, they lead you astray things like that so we're going to cover some of those things today so as many as many of us have learned in this late hour if we want the truth we have to search it out diligently the God of this world, Satan, has been given power to put a veil over the eyes of the complacent, hiding certain truths. This being one of them. What does and does not constitute scripture is high on this list. Today we'll be discussing the amazing blessing of being alive for such a time as this, a time when Yahweh has made available for this generation many texts to examine, test, and glean from outside the 66 book canon. These books bust wide open deceptions that have been perpetrated for nearly 2,000 years while also showing us the truth of a walk that consists of faith and obedience to his Torah. So I could tell you as a researcher, myself, someone who enjoyed testing these books for myself, I can tell you that is the over overwhelmingly narrative, overwhelming narrative to all these books that are like removed that didn't make the the 66 book canon is they point you to the Torah being forever and being for all generations just like the Torah itself states and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever but you O Daniel shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. So this is talking about the time of the end, the literal end days. And, and when those days happen, many shall run to and fro. Well, I honestly, I'm 
be pretty literal here, I think. Planes, trains, automobiles, people are running to and fro pretty quickly, and knowledge shall be increased. Now, when we ask ourselves, what is this knowledge? Is that knowledge, um, you know, medical advancements or, or uh, techno technological advancements? Maybe, maybe so. But really, what is scriptural or biblical wisdom, in my opinion? It's the revealing of the Most High's ways, and he does that through his Torah, the, the prophets, the writings, uh, even the the, the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, um, but through a lot of these books. Now is Daniel 12, 3 through 4. Remember this passage. We're going to bring this up again here in just a little bit. So, 2,000 years ago, our Messiah came and revealed many hidden things to those who believed. Right? Everything started with belief or faith. If they didn't have belief or faith, they couldn't see it. Now, now that we are at the end of time, the fullness of his word is being revealed to those who seek it as treasure. Now, this is, of course, my opinion. This is my, this is my stance. I believe that he's revealing these books, his word, because Messiah is the, the word made flesh. And we know that he's all of the word. He's not just the four gospels. You know, he's all of the word. And I believe all of him is being revealed. So those who really seek it as treasure, because, I mean, think about it, it, it what, wh where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Well, if his word is our treasure, you know, that's where our heart's going to be. That's what we're diligently going to sink. It's not going to be, um, you know, even though we need to have our employment and our, and our businesses and things that we do to sustain family, those are obviously important, all right? But where is your heart? What What is it that you you seek after? What is it you thirst for? What is it you hunger for? Like Messiah said in the in Matthew 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. So this is like a treasure hunt. Looking at these books, in my opinion, is like a treasure hunt because I value his word like treasure. Those And those who understand it shall not sleep, but shall listen with the ear, that they may learn this wisdom, and it shall please those that eat thereof better than good food. I say this quite often. You know, uh, I, I thank Yah for creating so many diverse foods for us. Just amazing flavors and diverse benefits for our bodies. Uh, good food, of course, that is. Um, well, in the same... And, 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 those nutrients is what keeps our body going it nourishes our flesh well you know our the ruach the the soul within us it needs to be fed by his word and i just love this verse here it says and though and it shall please those that eat thereof better than good food right and that's how his word should be that was enoch 82 3 so here's another passage i want to share with you and now I know this mystery, that sinners will alter and pervert the words of righteousness in many ways. And I believe that's the time uh, that we live in now. Uh, modern day religion, specifically uh, Judaism and Christianity, both ends of the spectrum, have perverted his words in many ways. You know, they revere man-made laws, man-made doctrines above what his word says. Like for you know, uh, for example, in Judaism, they revere uh, the Talmud and the Mishnah, all these man-made writings and laws above God's laws, above the Most High's laws, and that's nothing new. That's what Messiah came and rebuked them two thousand years ago. But even worse now, the Christian Church reveres, you know, things that aren't of Him. Pag you know, pagan ways, Chris uh, Christmas, uh, Easter, and um, you know, Sunday uh, worship. These are th all man-made traditions that have 
elevated themselves above his, his ways. So I know this mystery that sinners will alter and pervert the words of righteousness in many ways and will speak wicked words and will lie and practice great deceits and write books concerning their words. That's what it's talking about. But when they write down truthfully all my words in their languages and do not change or diminish anything from my words, but write them all down truthfully, all that I first testified concerning them, then I know another mystery, that books will be given to the righteous and to the wise to become a cause of joy and uprightness and much wisdom. And that is, this is the center of this study is that these books are given to us as a gift for the Most High. A lot of people are rejecting them. Okay. But there's a growing group of people that are like, you know what? I don't care what what a, a theologian or a scholar said, you know, 200 years ago or 1400 years ago saying, ah, don't read these books. They're not inspired. Okay. Well, how about we put them to the test? And that's what many of us are doing. And that's what I've done. And these are some of the things I'd like to share with you today. So let me read this again. That books will be given to the righteous and the wise, and to the wise to become a cause of joy and uprightness and much wisdom. I am ecstatic that the Most High has these books for us to test today. And to them shall the books be given, and they shall believe in them and rejoice over them. And then shall all the righteous who have learnt therefrom all the paths of uprightness be recompensed, be repaid. Enoch 104, uh, 10 through 13. And that's the truth. And that's what we learn from these books, is to walk in the straight and narrow path. And we learn that that is specifically the Torah. Yeah, that same Torah, a law that people say has been done away with. The law being done away with and these books not being for us are synonymous. They go hand in hand. And that's why I disagree that the law is done away with and I disagree that these books are not for us. So hidden books by Yahuwah. So the number one argument I get is well, like, oh, okay, Adam. So you're saying that, that the Most High is not strong enough to preserve his word, to keep it all in one 66-book volume. I believe he's more powerful than anything. He can do anything he wants to, including he can hide books from those who aren't diligently seeking. And we'll see that's exactly what the word says. So we must always keep in mind that nothing happens without Yahweh allowing it. So if books were hidden, it's because he wanted it that way. Let me read that. Let me say that again. If books were hidden, it's because that's how he wanted it. And I'm going to prove it to you with scripture. Let's begin searching out the matter with the book of two Esdras, also known as fourth Ezra, which was included in the 1611 KJV. Now throughout this, if you see this kind of like red text, that means it's a link. So if you click on this, it pulls this up here, and you'll see this is the 1611 King James Version. A lot of people are comfortable with this, even though a lot of us are realizing that there's um, translation biases and things like that that we have to search out. A lot of people are, in general are comfortable that this was the inspired word of the Most High, right? the 1611 KJV. And you'll notice it has the Torah, the prophets, the writings, um, the minor prophets, um, the gospels as were, you know, the, the epistles, and um, then Revelation. Now, these are the books called the Apocrypha. First Esdras, two Esdras, Tobit, Judith, uh, so on and so forth. So we're reading, we're going to be studying, we're going to be testing something from the book of two Esdras, which was included in the original canon. So 
It was included in the 1611 KJV, the 1599 Geneva, the Slavonic, and Ethiopian canons. As you'll see in just a moment, Messiah Yahushua quoted it nearly verbatim. And let's read that now. So let's read two Esdras. When you call upon me, I will not listen to you, for you have defiled your hands with blood, and your feet are swift to commit murder. It is not as though you had forsaken me, you have forsaken yourselves, says Yahuwah. Thus says El Shaddai, have I not entreated you as a father entreats his son, or a mother her daughters, or a nurse her children, that you should be my people, and I should be your Elohim, and that you should be my sons, and I should be your father? Now listen to this. I gathered you as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but now what shall I do to you? I will cast you out from my presence. I sent to you my servants, the prophets, but you have taken and slain them and torn their bodies in pieces. Their blood will I require of you, says Yahuwah. Thus says El Shaddai, your house is desolate. So this is 2 Ezra 1, uh, 26 through 30 and 32 through 33. So a couple things we need to remember. Um, he gathered us as a hen gathers her chicken under her wings. Um, there's blood on their hands from slaying the prophets and their house is desolate. So Let's not forget this hen part here. You're going to see here in Matthew 23, he quotes two Ezra's almost verbatim. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets and stone them which are sent unto you. How often would I have gathered your children together, even a hen, as a hen gathers her chicken under her wings, and you would not behold your house is left unto you desolate. So we have the house being desolate, uh, gathering as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and the blood of the prophets on their hands. Same thing right here. Your house is desolate, with the blood of the prophets on your hands, right? And gathered you as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. So that was to Esdras and Matthew 23, 34 through 38. So now that 2 Esdras is verified by our Messiah, let's take a look at an important passage found in chapter 14. And by the way, real quick, when we were talking about uh, the 1611 KJV, the 1611 KJV had 80 books. And in the mid-1800s with the dispensational movement, um, dispensations being that there's different time periods for different um ways of living faith uh rules we adhere to um so in the dispensation this dispensational movement uh they believe that that we're in the age of grace and that only paul's letters apply to us everything else doesn't apply to us it's really just chopping up the book and so they also decided at that time to just get rid of all the apocrypha here and what's amazing is if you actually read the apocrypha all they do it doesn't take you away from the most high it doesn't take you away from messiah all it does is strengthen our understanding of messiah his role uh and um his role as far as salvation and um that we're to keep the keep the commandments and honestly that's the most important part of this whole study is that all these books point towards keeping the commands that's like a it's like a bright neon sign when you read these books but let's keep going so now the two Ezra's is verified by messiah let's take a look at an important passage found in chapter 14 and this is the passage we're going to read here on the third day while i was sitting under an oak behold a voice came out of a bush opposite me and said ezra ezra and i said here i am master and i rose to my feet then he said to me i revealed myself in a bush and spoke to Moshe. 
when my people were in bondage in Egypt, and I sent him and led my people out of Mitzrayim, and I led him up upon Mount Sinai, where I kept him with me many days, and I told him many wondrous things, and showed him the secrets of the times, and declared to him the end of the times. Then I commanded him, saying, These words shall you publish openly, and these shall you keep secret. That's 2 Ezra's 14, 1 through 6. So even during the time of Moshe, he was instructed to make certain books available to all, but some were to be kept in reserve for the wise only. A little later in this chapter, Ezra asks Yahuwah to allow him to rewrite all the scriptures as they had all been burned during the Babylonian siege and captivity. Yahuwah ultimately allows him, and this is what he declared. Then I answered and said, Let me speak in your presence, Yahuwah. For behold, I will go as you have commanded me, and I will reprove the people who are now living. But who will warn those who will be born hereafter? For the world lies in darkness, and its inhabitants are without light. For your Torah has been burned, and so no one knows the things which have been done or will be done by you. And this is an amazing passage, brothers and sisters. The world lies in darkness, and its inhabitants are without light. For your Torah has been burned. This is such a confirmation because Proverbs 6.23 says, The commandment is a lamp, and the Torah is light. Those are two key identifiers to help you understand the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, right? The, uh, lamps, oil, light, any case. Um, so for the world lies in darkness and its inhabitants are without light for your Torah has been burned. And so no one knows the things which have been done or will be done by you. If then I have found favor before you, send the Ruach HaKodesh, that's the Holy Spirit, into me, and I will write everything that has happened in the world from the beginning, the things which were written in your Torah, that men may be able to find the path, and that those who wish to live in the last days may live. And praise be to Yah, that's what these words are doing in these last days, they're guiding people back to his ancient paths, to his Torah. And this is the this is the way of living that he has ordained for his people. Yes, even followers of Messiah. Of Messiah. 2 Ezra 14, 19-22. We're supposed to walk as he walked. So, thank you, Ezra, for this plea. He answered me and said, Go and gather the people and tell them not to seek you for 40 days, but prepare for yourselves many writing tablets and take with you Sarea, Dabria, Selemia, Ethanus, and Asiel, these five, because they are trained to write rapidly. And you shall come here, and I will light in your heart the lamp of understanding, which shall not be put out until what you are about to write is finished. And when you have finished, some things you shall make public, and some you shall deliver in secret to the wise. Tomorrow at this hour you shall begin to write. So 2 Ezra 14, 23-26. So this is how Yahoo operates. So in the time of Moshe, Moses, he said, write these things, make them public, and these other writings, make them secret, and only keep them up for the wise. And so here Ezra is, you know, because all the scriptures were burnt in the Babylonian captivity or besiege, and Ezra's like, you know, I can I can share the truth with these people, but what about, you know, after me? You know, who's, who's going to be able to understand these things? And, you know, for people to find the truth in the last days, to find the path, people like us. So anyways, he told Ezra the same thing. Some writings are going to be for everyone, and some writings deliver in secret to the wise. That's not for me. That's from him. So this is how he operates. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to Elohim must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.6. And that's how I feel about these extra biblical books i don't even really call them that because i just use that terminology in the title because that's how most people understand them. they're, they're just, oh they're just extra books you know they're just like uh, you know and some people there's a different degrees of 
how people feel about them. Some people believe that you know they're good historical writings. That they're good for um, just you know find out the history of things, or um, you know they're not inspired, but you know they're just good books. Or I'm here to tell you, I'm just going to tell you straight up. I believe these books are just scripture, scripture that Yah has said that Yah himself is like these are not going to go in the canon. They're going to stay outside and they're going to be kept in check for the last days. And I'm going to reveal them to my people in the last days. That's how I feel about them. I believe these are straight up scripture. And I believe that he rewards those that diligently seek him. Those that guard his word like treasure, I believe he gives more. Right? Like Messiah says, to more will be given. And more shall be given him. And the Most High gave understanding to the five men, and by turns they wrote what was dictated in characters which they did not know. They sat forty days and wrote during the daytime, and ate their bread at night. As for me, I spoke in the daytime and was not silent at night. So during the forty days, ninety-four books were written. And when the forty days were ended, the Most High spoke to me, saying, Make public the twenty-four books that you wrote first, and let the worthy and unworthy read them. But keep the seventy that were written last, in order to give them to the wise among your people. For in them is the spring of understanding, the fountain of wisdom, and the river of knowledge. And I did so. To Ezra's 14, 42 through 48. So remember, knowledge will increase, Daniel 12, 4. So these books that were kept for the wise and not to be made public, in those books contains the river of knowledge. Remember, Knowledge will increase, Daniel 12, 4. And I believe that's that's happening right now in these last days is he's revealing these books to, well, those that diligently seek him. So it's worthy to note that in some translations, it's translations, it is recorded that 204 books were written. So right here it says um, 94 books were written in 40 days. In some translations, it says 204, right? Either way, Yahweh himself hid certain books for those who diligently search him out. Also, the Hebrew Tanakh is 24 books in length. Perhaps this is a coincidence. And what I mean by that is right here. It says, so after they wrote 94 books, let's just go with it. Let's just say it's 94 books. So 94 books were written. He said, make public the 24 books that you wrote first and let the worthy and unworthy read them. So what's interesting is if you look it up, the Hebrew Tanakh, the Old Testament consists of 24 books. Now you might say, well, wait a minute. No, no, no. My Old Testament has 39 books. Well, here's what's interesting is the Hebrew Tanakh, our, our Old Testament of 39 books is the exact same content as the Hebrew Tanakh of 24 books. And what I mean is uh, certain books are condensed like um, the minor prophets in our Old Testament. Each book like, you know, Amos and, um, you know, Micah and uh, um, Zechariah and Zephaniah, all these books are individual books are counted as each one book, but are individual books. But in the Tanakh, like those 12, the 12 minor prophets are just called um, the prophets. It's one book, right? So 39 books is condensed down into 24 books, but it's the same content. So it's interesting that I believe the Most High decreed what would be the Tanakh. And I believe the Tanakh is the public books because anybody could just pick those up and read them. And that's how it is today. But keep the 70 that were written last in order to give them among the wise and your people. Now, keep in mind, this is pre-Messiah. So there's possibly up to 70 books outside of the canon before Messiah even arrives on the scene. So keep that in mind. Here's a short list of books outside the 66 book canon that I feel comfortable sharing with you at this time. Now, keep in mind, this is just my research. I could be wrong about some of these books. 
The beauty is you get to test them for yourself. So first we'll start with the Apocrypha. Those are the 14 books that I was sharing with you and the original canon was 80 books. And they took out 14 just like that and that's why there's a 66 book canon. But these are the Apocrypha. First Esdras, it's also known as Third Ezra. Second Esdras, which is what we were just reading from, it's also known as Fourth Ezra. Okay, And in Second Esdras, and, and you'll notice that some of these are bold. You'll notice the, the difference. The bold are the ones that I would recommend reading first. I think they're just the most important. Uh, two Esdras is, I think, in my opinion, second on the list of the one of the most important books to read outside of the canon. But this is, again, just my opinion. Two Esdras just filled with, um, you know, Ezra asks the hard questions. like Almost like questions like, what's the meaning of life? And, you know, why is this world uh, so difficult? And why are there so many, uh, why, why is there so much pain and sorrow? And, you know, a lot of these questions that people ask that really don't ever get answered in church. But, like, it's like so many of those answers are, like, right here. And this is, to me, I mean... Almost every time I read this book, it's just it, it wants to bring a tear to my eye because it's just so good and it's so in depth. And our Messiah is in here, literally. It even prophesies our Messiah is going to die in this one. He's going to be he's going to be you know uh, killed. The book of Tobit about a, this is about a um, um, a man from the tribe of Naphtali who was living in Nineveh in captivity after um, you know the Northern Kingdom was. Uh, sent into uh, dispersion but it's just a book how he was doing his best to keep the Torah even dispersion right a great reflection for us uh, amazing prophecies about New Jerusalem and um, it's just a great story short read maybe 30-45 minutes if that Judith uh, this is a, a book about a woman who basically takes down the entire army with uh, one move. Uh, she kills uh, Hollow Furnace, the king. I think it's Assyria, right? And uh, it reminds me a lot of Jael and the tent peg in the book of Judges. It's just a mighty woman. So uh, a good read for all, but especially for you women. This is just a good story. Uh, additions to Esther. I don't know why I didn't put the link here, but um, in the additions to Esther, some people... Some people wonder why in the book of Esther that we have in the canon, there's no uh, glory to Yah. There's not even any prayers. Uh, there's just nothing. But for some reason, they are all in this book, which is part of the Apocrypha. The Wisdom of Solomon, uh, just an amazing, amazing book. Uh, Ecclesiasticus, which is like the book of Proverbs times 10. This is an amazing book. First Baruch, and uh, I think hopefully we have second Baruch somewhere here. Did I not put second Baruch? Yeah, it's down here. Okay. First Baruch used to be in the canon. Uh, Baruch was Jeremiah's scribe. The prayer of Azariah, um, the song of the three young men. This is the this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, when they were in the fire, praising Yah. Hananiah, Mishael, uh, Mishael and Azariah. Sorry. Um, this is when they were in the fire that Nebuchadnezzar threw them in, and they were praising Yah with songs. And that's the song. Uh, Shoshana, one chapter book. Take you about, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. A great book about enforcing right ruling and following the Torah, even in Babylon. Bell and the Dragon, uh, this is another book. These three books were, were originally part of the book of Daniel, but were removed. Um, this is where Daniel is like, uh, plays detective. It's great. Uh, the Prayer of Manasseh. Manasseh, probably the worst king in, in all of history. Um, just set up images, consulted magicians, familiar spirits, necromancers, 
uh, defiled, you know, mar uh, married women. He cut the uh, prophet Isaiah in half with a wooden saw. Just horrific. But when he was sent and uh, bound in chains and was basically in jail, he repented with all of his heart. And he turned to Yah, and he had the most amazing prayer. And that prayer was recounted here, and he was forgiven. The Book of the Book of the Maccabees, great for you history buffs. Um, there's kind of a gap in history from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Um, we don't really get a whole lot of the Greek Empire, and we don't get the beginnings of the Roman Empire. We kind of just see, like, in the New Testament, okay, Rome's just ruling, and that's it. Okay, well, how did that, how did that come to pass? We get a lot of the historical accounts here, and we have a lot of the victories that Yah gave them and how they were able to reclaim the land uh, in order to rebuild a temple so that Messiah Yahushua could come and do what he was uh, destined to do, or what he was prophesied to do. Sorry, destined is the wrong word, prophesied to do. Dead Sea Scrolls. There's a lot of books found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. If you haven't researched it for yourself, back in 1947, um, they found a, an amazing collection of just scripture uh, uh, preserved in pottery in these caves. And there's a lot. Now, I will tell you, we kind of need to test what we read from there because I've read some books in there that have... Um, really a lot of man-made traditions, specifically the Damascus document, one of the most uh, uh, prominent documents there. And, you know, a lot of just ad added man-made traditions, like things like, uh, you know, don't carry your baby on Shabbat and other things like that. But there is, um, it's, a, it's a great find in general because it most of those documents are estimated to be at least 200 BC. Um, and it confirms the scriptures we have today are the same scriptures they had prior to Messiah's arrival. Also, books like First Enoch, which I believe First Enoch, which is not to be um, confused with Second or Third Enoch. I believe First Enoch is probably the most important book outside of the canon. If I were, if I were you, and you're like, okay, well, if you're like, oh, what do I start? What book do I read first? I, honestly, in my opinion, would be Enoch, and then it would be Second Ezra, and then, uh, well, maybe these other bold ones. Jubilees was found in there. Um, the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs, which is some of my favorite, I believe. I think it was Joseph and and um, what else was found there? Levi and was it Joseph and Levi and Naphtali? Either case, we found those preserved in the Hebrew, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, many of these were were preserved in the Greek, but people didn't know if they were inspired or not. What's interesting is the few Hebrew uh, parchments that were found match the greek ones so it kind of legitimizes the whole greek collection and so therefore i believe all these 12 patriarchs uh, that were that were preserved in the greek are authentic but uh, just amazing books this is high on the list too this would be like third or fourth um selection uh, other books the book of yashar which has come under fire quite a bit recently um i believe is this is the legitimate book of yashar that's referenced in the bible twice uh in joshua ten thirteen and in second samuel one eighteen, the book of yashar is mentioned and uh we'll, we'll go over the book of yashar actually a little bit more in detail shortly but it really if if you love the torah and and just want more details because I mean, how much of history, you know, thousands of years of history can you fit in five books without it being, you know, just extremely long? Well, the book of Yashar fills in a lot of those holes. The Apocalypse of Abraham. I'm just going to go a little faster now. The Writings of Abraham, uh, not to be confused with the book of Abraham, which is a Mormon book uh, th that I do not agree with. But this is a different book, an amazing first book of Adam and Eve, which details the first human actions outside of the garden. It's beautiful read probably bring a tear to your eye 
the Apocalypse of Lamech, the Did and these are some of the, this is New Testament stuff, the Didache, this is from the Apostles, the Epistle of the Apostles, the first and second Clement, Clement was um, Peter's, uh, six, uh, he succeeded Peter, um, Psalm 151 through 50, 155, Psalms of Solomon, Odes of Solomon, Book of uh, Gad the Seer, which is mentioned in the Bible, uh, Second Baruch, another amazing, if you like prophecy, wow, uh, one of the great passage in Second Baruch, I think it's Second Baruch 31, it says, if you sow the fruit of the Torah within your hearts, it shall protect you in the time which El Elyon, our father, shall shake the entire creation. So the great tribulation. The gospel of Nicodemus, the ascension of Isaiah, the assumption of Moses, and the apocalypse of Moses. These are just a handful of the books I recommend. Um, so there are more, but this should be sufficient for now. Um, test these for yourself. Two Ezra's is one of my favorites outside the canon. If you have not read it, I highly recommend it, especially if you're interested in prophecy and end times. And what I'm about to read for you here is a vision, in my opinion, is a vision of the 144,000 and the great multitude. Um, you know, in Re uh, Revelation chapter 7, we have the sealing of the, the, the 144,000, and then it, then it goes right into the great multitude. There's a lot of you know differences of opinions. I believe that these two groups go together, even though they're separate, they're separated. They're together. They go together. So anyways, I, I think this is a vision of both of them. So let's, let's read about it. I, Ezra, received a command from Yahuwah on Mount Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, to go to Israel. When I came to them, they rejected me and refused Yahuwah's commandment. Therefore, I say to you, O nations that hear and understand, await your shepherd. He will give you everlasting rest, because he who will come at the end of the age is close at hand. Be ready for the rewards of the kingdom, because the eternal light will shine upon you forevermore. Flee from the shadow or darkness of this age. Receive the joy of your glory. I publicly call on my Savior to witness. Receive what Yahuwah has entrusted to you and be joyful, giving thanks to him who has called you to heavenly kingdoms. Rise and stand and see at the feast of Yahuwah the number of those who have been sealed. Does that sound familiar? Those who have departed from the shadow of this age have received glorious garments from Yahuwah. Take again your full number, O Zion, and conclude the list of your people who are clothed in white, listen, who have fulfilled the Torah of Yahuwah. This is the law. The number of your children whom you desired is full. Beseech Yahuwah's power that your people who have been called from the beginning may be made holy. I, Ezra, saw on Mount Zion a great multitude, which I could not number. And they were all praising Yahuwah with songs. That's, does that sound like Revelation 14? In the midst, in their midst, was a young man of great stature, taller than any of the others. And on the head of each of them he placed a crown. But he was more exalted than they, and I was held speechless. Then I asked the angel, Who are these, my master? He answered and said to me, These are they who have put off mortal clothing and have put on the immortal, and they have confessed the name of Elohim. Now they are being crowned and receive palms. Then I said to the angel, Who is that young man who places crowns on them and puts palms in their hands? He answered and said to me, He is the son of Eloha, whom they have confessed in the world. So I began to praise those who had stood valiantly for the name of Yahweh. You see how the son is mentioned here, and this is two Ezra's. This is that book. This is that Old Testament book I was telling you about. That's what a day that's going to be, right? So he's taller than everyone else. He's more exalted than everyone else. But the but for those that make it here, these are so these are the characteristics. They stood valiantly for the name of Yah. They confessed the name of Elohim, the Son, and they fulfilled the Torah. That's who these people are, and that's something you just don't get in Revelation. And do you see how? You know, especially for those that are interested in end times, it's like a big puzzle. And if Yah 
himself allows those puzzle pieces to be hid. Well, if you want to see the whole picture clearly, you got to be diligent. That's how he operates. That's how he, he wants to be searched out and found. Well, same way with his truth. It's not just right there. You got to dig for it. Precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here little, there little. Zay 28. First, Enoch. So what I'm doing is I'm going to give you kind of a brief overview of some of these books that and I'm going to give you some tie-ins of how they tie into the scriptures and how their validity is shown by the word by the very words that are written in therein. First Enoch. Another book that is high priority on the reading list is First Enoch. Again, not second and third. Messiah taught directly from this amazing text. Let's take a look. The same day came to him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moshe said, If a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now, there were with us seven brethren. And the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third, and unto the seventh. And the last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. Yahushua answered and said unto them, You do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of Elohim. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of Elohim in heaven. That was Matthew 22, 23-30. So you might be asking yourself, okay, so what? So the, the Sadducees don't believe in a resurrection. So they were kind of giving a story and kind of like mocking and be like, if there's a resurrection, answer this question for us. <laughs> right? So here's what he says. He says, you're in error because you don't know the scriptures. And then he goes on to say, for in the resurrection, they don't marry or are given a marriage. And so you ask yourself, okay, well, we're in the Bible. We're, we're in the 66 book canon. Does it show us or tell us that in the resurrection, we don't marry. It's not in the Bible. Well, wait a minute. He says that they're in error because they didn't know the scriptures. Sir, so search the scriptures. You won't find the answer to this anywhere in the canon. There's only one place you will find it. First Enoch chapter 15. In this passage, the Most High is telling Enoch to go and reprove the angelic watchers who fell from heaven, mated with women, creating the giants, and taught all manner of sinful behavior to the children of men. And he answered and said to me, and I heard his voice, Fear not, Enoch, you righteous man and scribe of righteousness. Approach hither and hear my voice, and go, say to the watchers of heaven, who have sent you to intercede for them, you should intercede for men and not men for you. And the, and the reason for this is because um, these angelic watchers fell down. We read about this in Genesis 6 where they came down and saw the daughters of men and they mated with them and created giants and they taught all kinds of wickedness. And after this, there was a sentence that they would have no forgiveness. And so they, the, these angels asked Enoch to go intercede, to go like, please, you know, petition for us. And so the Most High is like, you angels, you're supposed to intercede for men and not men for you. Okay, now moving on. Wherefore, so why have you left the high, holy, and eternal heaven, and lain with women, and defiled yourselves with the daughters of men, and taken to yourselves wives, wives, and done like the children of earth, and begotten giants as your sons, 
And though you were holy, spiritual, living the eternal life, you have defiled yourselves with the blood of women and have begotten children with the blood of flesh. And as the children of men have lusted after flesh and blood, as those also do who die and perish, therefore have I given them wives also that they might impregnate them and beget children by them, that thus, thus nothing might be wanting to them on the earth. But you, he's talking to the angels, but you were formerly spiritual, living the eternal life and immortal for all generations of the world. And therefore I have not appointed wives for you, for as the spiritual ones of heaven, of the heaven in heaven is their dwelling. So he's saying that the angels don't marry. He didn't appoint for the marriage, right? For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor marry, but are as the angels of Elohim in heaven. And here he clearly states that the angels of Elohim in heaven don't marry. Enoch 15, 1-7. So this is the only known text in existence that I know of that could have been referencing when he said, you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of Elohim. Now, we're going to read just a little bit more because this is a really interesting passage and we're here in chapter 15. Might as well just read this because I think this is a very important uh, nugget to understand. And now, the giants who are produced from the spirits and flesh shall be called evil spirits on the earth and on the earth shall be their dwelling. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies because they are born from men and from the holy watchers is their beginning and primal origin. They shall be evil spirits on the earth and evil spirits shall they be called. As for the spirits of heaven, in heaven shall be their dwelling. But as for the spirits of the earth which were born upon the earth, on the earth shall be their dwelling. And the spirits of the giants afflict, oppress, destroy, attack, do battle, and work destruction on the earth, and cause trouble. They take no food, but nevertheless hunger and thirst, and cause offenses. And these spirits shall rise up against the children of men, and against the women, because they have proceeded from them. That was Enoch 15, 8 through 11. So, long story short, if you ever wondered where these demons came from, it was from the disembodied spirits of the, the after the death of these giants. They left these bodies and they continued to want to oppress. In the book of Enoch, we learn that these giants, uh, you know, they ate up all the food of men and women and then they were still so hungry that they started eating men and women. First, Enoch also instructs us on, on important truths such as the binding and return of these angelic watchers. And Yahweh said to Michael, Go, bind Semyaza and his associates, who have united themselves with women, so as to have defiled themselves with them in all their uncleanness. And when their sons have slain one another, and they have seen the destruction of their beloved ones, bind them fast for seventy generations in the valleys of the earth. Enoch 10, 12. So they were supposed to be bound for seventy generations. And some people would say that, uh, you know, when you do the math, the seventy generations from the time that they were bound in the time of Enoch... Um, brings us to roughly the mid-1800s, which is kind of interesting. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. It is interesting to note that the apostles knew of this record very well. When I'm talking about this record, about how these angels were bound in chains, right, in the valleys of the earth. For if Elohim spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to Sheol, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved into judgment, Second Peter 2.4. There's no other record other than First Enoch that tells us about these binding of these watchers and the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation he has reserved an everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day jude 1 6 however they will return before the end 
And in those days the angels shall return and hurl themselves to the east upon the Parthians and Medes. They shall stir up the kings so that a spirit of unrest shall come upon them. And they shall rouse them from their thrones that they may break forth as lions from their lairs and as hungry wolves among their flocks. So the angels are, des or are prophesied to return. And is it interesting, right? So it's no coincidence that the 70 generations was up in the mid-1800s and that everything has changed since then. I mean, everything. Doctrine. Remember we went. Remember I was telling you about the dispensational movement in the 1800s and they removed the Apocrypha? I mean, everything was horse and buggy pretty much until the 17, you know, 1700s, 1800s, and then just boom. And then all of a sudden, plane, trains, automobiles, internet, computers, cell phones. I mean, we're able to do this. It's crazy. Nevertheless, it's all part of Yahweh's plan. For Elohim has put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast into the words of Elohim shall be fulfilled. Revelation 17, 17. So all these plans, right? Yah is allowing them to happen in order to bring about his end times. It's just like with Pharaoh, right? The Most High didn't make Pharaoh be evil and he just strengthened, he gave Pharaoh strength to do what was in his heart to do so that well, that whole story of the Exodus could come to pass and that Yah could have glory and have, you know, these mighty works for his people to show his to show his awesomeness. Well, guess what? All these plans, all these things are happening. So in the end days, the Most High can show his glory once again to his people and his mercy and his favor. So first Enoch should not be confused with second and third Enoch, which I do not endorse. I don't know if I use that word endorse. Not that you need my endorsement for anything. I'm just a guy that's doing research and sharing my research with you. First Enoch is filled with instructions directly positioned for the last day's generation, us. In fact, the book begins with the sentiment. Listen to this. This book is written for you right now. If you're still here listening, this is the book of Enoch was written for you. The words of the, this is the, literally the first verse. The words of the blessing of Enoch, wherewith he blessed the elect and righteous who will be living in the day of tribulation when all the wicked and godless are to be removed. And some say that we're in the tribulation now. I don't agree. I think we're in the days leading up to. I think it's right around the corner. So the, this book is written to the people who will be living in that day. And he took up this parable and said, Enoch, a righteous man whose eyes were opened by Elohim, saw the vision of the Holy One in the heavens, which the angels showed me. And from them, I heard everything. And from them, I understood as I saw, but not for this generation, but for a remote one, which is to come. So Enoch is like, I'm writing this down, but it's not for this generation, but for a remote one, an ancient one that's going to come thousands and thousands of years from now. In the end days, the people that are going to be living in the day of tribulation. So yeah, this book is written for us specifically, literally. Now, we read the beginning of the book. Now, let's read the end of the book. Check this out. Another book, which Enoch wrote for this son of Methuselah and for those who will come after him and listen to this and keep the Torah in the last days. What a crazy bunch of people we are that are waking up out of this world and coming out of Christmas and Easter and paganism and false religion and our filthiness and being like, you know what? It's t the end is here. It's time to get right. It's time to walk in his ways as, he as he's ordained for his people for all eternity. So the very first book of prophecy, or one of the very first, first books, tells us that a book would be written for those who keep the Torah in the last days. You who have done good will wait for those days till an end is made for those who work evil, and an end of the might of the transgressors. For some of them are written and inscribed above in the heaven, in order that the angels may read them and know that which shall befall the sinners, and the spirits of the humble, and of those who have afflicted their bodies and been recompensed by Elohim. 
and of those who have been put to shame by wicked men who love Elohim and love neither gold nor silver nor any of the good things which are in the world but gave over their bodies to torture and here's a little here's a I told you um, these are links this is a little treasure hunt for you if you want to read about an amazing generation that gave over their bodies to torture for the glory of Yah and to stand firm for him well then I'll tell you what you should read Second Maccabees chapter 6 and 7 who since they came into being longed not after earthly food but regarded everything as a passing breath and lived accordingly and Yahuwah tried them much this is part of the walk he wants to make sure that you are for real it might hurt but this is part of the great contest he who endures to the end and their spirits were found pure so that they should bless his name so even in the midst of trial it's like praise Yah thank you David says, It was good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. And all the blessings destined for them have I recounted in the books. And he has assigned them their recompense because they have been found to be such as loved heaven more than their life in the world. And though they were trodden underfoot of wicked men and experienced abuse and reviling from them and were put to shame, yet they blessed me. Brothers and sisters, no matter what, we bless him. And now I will summon the spirits of the good who belong to the generation of light, and I will transform those who were born in darkness, who in the flesh were not recompensed with such honor as their faithfulness deserved. And I will bring forth in shining light those who have loved my holy name. And I will seat each on the throne of his honor, and they shall be resplendent for times without number. For righteousness is the judgment of Elohim, for to the faithful... He will give faithfulness in the habitation of upright paths. And they shall see those who, who were born in darkness, led into darkness, while the righteous shall be resplendent. And their sinners shall cry aloud and see them resplendent. And they indeed will go where days and seasons are prescribed from them. And that was Enoch uh, 108, 1 through 2, and 7 through 15. That was literally the end of the book. First, Enoch is filled with the earliest prophecies about our Messiah. And at that hour, that son of man was named in the presence of Yahweh Sabot, and his name before the head of days, yea, before the sun and the signs were created, before the stars of the heaven were made, his name was named before Yahweh Sabot. Yahweh Sabot is our father. He shall be a staff to the righteous whereon to stay themselves and not fall, and he shall be the light of the Gentiles, and the hope of those who are troubled of heart. All who dwell on the earth shall fall down and worship before him, and will praise and bless and celebrate with songs Yahweh Sabot. And for this reason has he been chosen and hidden before him, before the creation of the world and forevermore. And the wisdom of Yahweh Sabaoth has revealed him to the holy and righteous, for he has preserved the lot of the righteous, because they have hated and despised this world of unrighteousness, and have hated all its works and its ways in the name of Yahweh Sabaoth, for in his name they are saved, and according to his good pleasure, and has been in regard to their life. Enoch 48, 2 through 7. So that, I love this because this shows us the Messiah is an eternal being. He was with the Father before the sun and the stars, right? Before all that. He's not just some righteous guy that Yah put his spirit on. This is our Messiah was with the Father from the beginning. There is so much more to this book. If you have not read it yet, I would highly recommend it. First Enoch also highlights end times puzzle pieces, the 144,000 in Revelation in general. The calendar, the most exciting topic ever no not really the calendar the most debated topic of this whole movement so study this in humility and share it in love please watchers the the watchers the nephilim the giants 
the fallen angels, right? Um, the future prophecy via dream visions and so much more. You can get your copy from Hollywood Scriptures here, so you can click it or read it for free online here, or listen to it free on YouTube here. Jake Grant, my bro, did an amazing, amazing dramatized audio of Enoch. You can listen to it free here. So now, the book of Yashar, a.k.a. Jayashar, the book of Jayashar. The book of Yashar has been an immense blessing to those who are fond of the Torah of Yahuwah. In some cases, the Torah is brief regarding certain biblical accounts. This is where Yashar shines and gives us a fuller depth and understanding surrounding the patriarchs and matriarchs of the faith. Though it has been an asset for many, recently it has, it has come under fire being spoken against that the copy we have today is not genuine. This is for the man or woman of Yahuwah to test and prove for themselves. Think about it. Do we believe the account of Messiah Yahushua, his ministry, death, burial, and resurrection because of manuscript evidence? Or be possibly because the Ruach of Yahuwah has revealed truth when it is presented? This is how we test books. The book of Yashar is referenced in the scriptures twice. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Yashar? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hastened not to go down about a whole day. Joshua 10.13 So the book of Yashar is mentioned by name in the, the book of Joshua. What a day, huh? Here it is. And when Adonai Zedek, the Adonai and when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard all that the children of Israel had done to Jericho and to Ai, he sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, and to Piram, king of Jarmut, and Japhia, king of Lachish, and to Deber, king of Eglon, saying, Come up, help me, that we may smite the children of Israel and the inhabitants of Gibeon, who have made peace with the children of Israel. And they gathered themselves together, and the five kings of the Amorites went up with all their camps, a mighty people numerous as the sand of the seashore. And all these kings came and encamped before Gibeon. And they began to fight against the inhabitants of Gibeon. And all the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua, saying, Come up quickly and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites have gathered together to fight against us. And Joshua and all, fight, and all the fighting people went up from Gilgal. And Joshua came suddenly to them and smote the five kings with a great slaughter. And Yahweh confounded them before the children of Israel, who smote them with a terrible slaughter in Gibeon, and pursued them along the way that goes up to Beth Horon unto Makeda. And they fled from before the children of Israel. And whilst they were fleeing, Yahweh sent upon them hailstones from heaven, and more of them died by the hailstones than by the slaughter of the children of Israel. And the children of Israel pursued them, and they still smote them in the road, going on and smiting them. And when they were smiting, the day was declining toward the evening, and Joshua said in the sight of all the people, Sun, stand you still upon Gibeon, and you moon in the valley of Ajalon, until the nation shall have revenged itself upon its enemies. And Yahuwah hearkened to the voice of Joshua, and the sun stood still in the midst of the heavens, and it stood still six and thirty moments, and the moon also stood still and hastens not to go down a whole day. And there was no day like that, before it or after it, that Yahuwah hearkened to the voice of a man, for Yahuwah fought for Israel. And that's Yashar, Jasher, 88, 55 through 65. So we get more information. That's why it mentions it, you know, as it is written in the book of Yashar. You would imagine that there'd be a little more details, and we get some more details here, which is amazing. So again, for those of you that love the Torah or the scriptures in general, the book of Yashar just gives us more. And I don't know about you, but I want more. 
I want to hear more about Yahweh and his ways. I want to hear more about the, the amazing things he's done for his people. So located in the following chapter, chapter 89, you can read it here, Joshua then proceeds to sing a song about this amazing event, giving Yahweh even more glory. Here's a small excerpt from the song. The song is really long. You did go forth for our salvation. With your arm you did redeem your people. You did answer us from the heavens of your holiness. You did save us from the ten thousands of people. The sun and the moon stood still in heaven, and you did stand in your wrath against our oppressors, and did command your judgments over them. All the princes of the earth stood up. The kings of the nations had gathered themselves together. They were not moved at your presence. They desired your battles. That was just a little small excerpt. Uh, Yashar 89, 7 through 9. Another verse where the canon mentions Yashar is in 2 Samuel 118 by David himself. Also he bade them teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Yashar. 2 Samuel 118. Here's the, the verse found in Yashar. And Yaakob said, Call all your children unto me. And all the children of Yaakob's sons came and sat before him. And Yaakob blessed them, and he said unto them, Yahweh, Elohim of your father, shall grant you a thousand times as much and bless you. And may he give you the blessing of your father Abraham. And all the children of Yaakob's sons went forth on that day after he had blessed them. And on the next day, Yaakob again called for his sons, and they all assembled and came to him and sat before him. And Yaakob on that day blessed his sons before his death. Each man did he bless according to his blessing. Behold, it is written in the book of the Torah of Yahuwah appertaining to Israel. And Yaakob said unto Judah, I know, my son, that you are a mighty man for your brethren. Reign over them, and your sons shall reign over their sons forever. Only teach your sons the bow and all the weapons of war, in order that they may fight the battles of their brethren who will rule over his enemies. And Yaakob again commanded his sons in that day, saying, Behold, I shall be this day gathered unto my people, carry me up from Egypt and bury me in the cave of Machpelah, as I have commanded you. Yashar 56 6 through 10. Paul seemed to be acquainted with the book of Yashar. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moshe, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. 2 Timothy 3 8. So, this has puzzled people, uh, commentators, for centuries because it's not really recorded anywhere who Janus and Jambres is, except for two places that I know of. Um, the, uh, the Talmud, which I do not believe is scripture, and I reject it. Um, and the Talmud wasn't even written until, I don't know, was it 5th century? 3rd century? 4th century? Somewhere around there. Any case, it, just way after Paul's time. And it was kept in the book of Yashar. This picture here gives you a little clue. If you're familiar with the Prince of Egypt, this is Hotep and Hoi, um, which are incorrect names for them. But this is actually who Jonathan Jambres are. And Moshe and Aharon rose up early on the next day, and they went to the house of Pharaoh, and they took in their hands the stick of Elohim. And when they came to the king's gate, two young lions were confined there with iron instruments, and no person went out or came in from before them, unless those whom the king ordered to come when the conjurers came and withdrew the lions by their incantations. And this brought them to the king. And Moses hastened and lifted up the stick upon the lions, and he loosed them. And Moses and Aharon came and into the king's house. The lions also came with them in joy, and they followed them and rejoiced as a dog rejoices over his master when he comes to the field. And when Pharaoh saw this thing, he was astonished at it, and he was greatly terrified at the report, for their appearance was like that the appearance of the children of Elohim. And Pharaoh said to Moshe, What do you require? And they answered him, saying, Yahweh Elohim of the Hebrews has sent us unto you to say, Send forth my people, that they may serve me. 
And when Pharaoh heard their words, he was greatly terrified before them. And he said to them, Go today and come back to me tomorrow. And they did according to the word of the king. And when they had gone, Pharaoh sent for Balaam the magician, and to Jonas and Jambres his sons, and to all the magicians and conjurers and counselors which belonged to the king. And they all came and sat before the king. So you here you have Balaam, the same Balaam we read about in the book of Numbers. And he has two sons. These two sons are the chief magicians. These are the ones that withstood Moshe and Aaron, right? And the king told them all the words which Moshe and his brother Aharon had spoken to him. And the magician said to the king, But how came the men to you on account of the lions which were confined at the gate? And the king said, Because they lifted up their rod against the lions and loosed them, and came to me. And the lions also rejoiced at them, as a dog rejoices to meet its master. And Balaam, the son of Beor, the magician, answered the king, saying, These are none else than magicians like ourselves. Now therefore send for them, and let them come, and we will try them. And the king did so. Yeshar 70, 20-31. Peter knew something about Yashar as well. In fact, he taught from it. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. 2 Peter 2.5 There are only two books that I know of at this time that this verse could be pointing to, Jubilees or Yashar. In Jubilees, Noah preaches and teaches the truth or the Torah of Yahuwah, passing down the commandments to his sons and grandchildren. However, in Yashar, we see Noah being instructed by Yahuwah himself to reprove the sons of men of their wickedness in order that the flood may not come upon them. This seems to fit more into the context of Second Peter 5. Why? Because uh, Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So this is the preaching of the righteousness came before the flood, before the flood. And that's what we see here um, in the book of Yashar. We'll see here in just a second. All right, you can see Noah here preaching the truth, and everybody's like, yeah, whatever, you silly old man. Everything's going to continue as it's been. Nothing's going to happen. Keep building, building your silly boat. And all who followed Yahuwah died in those days before they saw the evil which Elohim declared to do upon the earth. And after the lapse of many years, in the 480th year of the life of Noah, when all those men who followed Yahuwah had died away from amongst the sons of men, and only Methuselah was then left, Elohim said unto Noah and Methuselah, saying, Speak ye, and proclaim to the sons of men, Go be a preacher, right? Saying, Thus saith Yahuwah, Return from your evil ways, and forsake your works, and Yahuwah will repent of the evil that he has declared to do to you, so that it shall not come to pass. For thus says Yahuwah, Behold, I give you a period of 120 years. If you will turn to me and forsake your evil ways, then will I also turn away from the evil which I told you, and it shall not exist, says Yahuwah. And Noah and Methuselah spoke all the words of Yahuwah to the sons of men, day after day, constantly speaking to them. But the sons of men would not hearken to them, nor incline to their ears to their words, and they were stiff-necked. And Yahuwah granted them a period of 120 years, saying, If they will return, then will Elohim repent of the evil, so as not to destroy the earth. Uh, and that was Yashar, uh, Joshua 5, 5-11. Right? So Noah was commanded to preach them. Be like, hey, if you turn from your ways, the Most High will repent of his plans to flood the earth. And they're like, yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> this guy right here. Did you get a load of this guy? <laughs> Mommy, did you hear him? And he's like, come on. You guys are all going to die. Repent. And Noah and Methuselah stood forth and said in the ears of the sons of men, all the Elohim had spoken concerning them. 
the sons of men would not hearken, neither would they incline the ears to all their declarations. And it was after this that Yahweh said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me on account of their evil deeds, and behold, I will destroy the earth. Yeshar 5, 23-25 And on that day, Yahweh caused the whole earth to shake, and the sun darkened, and the foundations of the world raged, and the whole earth was moved violently, and the lightning flashed, and the thunder roared, and all the fountains on the earth were broken up, such as was not known to the inhabitants before. And Elohim did this mighty act in order to terrify the sons of men, that there might be no more evil upon the earth. And still the sons of men would not turn from their evil ways. And they increased the anger of Yahweh that time and did not even direct their hearts to all this. And at the end of seven days, in the 600th year of the life of Noah, the waters of the flood were upon the earth. And all the fountains of the deep were broken up. And the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And Noah and his household and all the living creatures that were with him came into the ark in account of the waters of the flood. And Yahweh shut him in. And all the sons of men that were left upon the earth became exhausted through the evil on account of the rain, for the waters were coming more violently upon the earth, and the animals and beasts were still surrounding the ark. And the sons of men assembled together about 700,000 men and women. They came unto Noah to the ark, and they called to Noah, saying, Open for us that we may come into you into the ark, and wherefore shall we die? And Noah, with a loud voice, answered them from the ark, saying, Have you not all rebelled against Yahuwah? And said that he does not exist, and therefore Yahweh brought upon you this evil to destroy and cut you off from the face of the earth. Is not this the thing that I spoke to you of 120 years back, and you would not hearken to the voice of Yahuwah? And now do you desire to live upon the earth? And they said to Noah, We are ready to return to Yahuwah. Only open for us that we may live and not die. And Noah answered them, saying, Behold, now that you see the trouble of your souls, you wish to return to Yahuwah. Why did you not return during these 120 years, which Yahuwah granted you as a determined period? And this is just like the last days, as in the days of Noah, right? We're, we're trying to share with people, hey, the end is coming. And he's given us instructions if we want to have life, if we want to enter into his kingdom. Blessed are those that keep the commandments. They may have the right to the tree of life, may enter into the city through the gates. But no one will listen. Not no one. Most people won't listen. But now you come and tell me on this account of the troubles of your souls. Now also Yahweh will not listen to you. Neither will he give ear to you in this day so that you will not now succeed in your wishes. Right? And many, he says, many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, open. You know, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out devils and in your name did many wonderful works? And then he says unto them, I never knew you away from me, you workers of iniquity. First John 3, 4 says, herein is how we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And the sons of men approached in order to break the ark to come in on account of the rain, for they could not bear the rain upon them. And Yahweh sent all the beasts and animals that stood around the ark, and the beasts overpowered them and drove them from that place, and every man went his way, and they again scattered themselves upon the face of the earth. Yashar 6, 11-25 So hidden within Genesis 36 is a story only revealed in the book of Yashar. Don't blink, you might miss it. Now these are the generations of Esau. Who is Edom? And these are the children of Zibion, both Aja and Anna. This was that Anna that found the mules in the wilderness as he fed the asses of Zibion, his father. Genesis 36, 1 and 24. Eh? You're like, so what? Eh? <laughs> so what? So say what? Anyone know this story? 
To my knowledge, there is only one place that details this was that Anna that found the mules in the wilderness as he fed the asses of Zibi and his father. So the Torah is just like, hey, you know, that story about uh, so-and-so that did such and such. You're just like, okay, well, where is that? There's only one place that I know of where this is written. And the sons of Shobal were Alvan, Manatha, Ebal, Shepho, and Onam. And the sons of Zibian were Aja and Anna. This was that Anna who found the Yamim in the wilderness when he fed the asses of Zibian his father. And this word Yamim is the same word in the Hebrew where it says the mules. It, Yamim was translated as mules. It was the Yamim was only used one time in the entire Bible. And it's Genesis uh, 36, 24, where it said the mules. Uh, and if you look up the uh, the Hebrew word Yamim, it's like it says of uncertain origin. So they're like, we really don't know. And so we're like, we'll just we'll call them mules. Um, so anyways, so this was that Anna who found the Yamim, and we're going to see exactly who the Yamim were, in the wilderness when he fed the asses of Zibi and his father. And here's the story now. And whilst he was feeding his father's asses, he led them to the wilderness at different times to feed them. And there was a day that he brought them to one of the deserts on the seashore, opposite the wilderness of the people. And whilst he was feeding them, behold, a very heavy storm came from the other side of the sea and rested upon the asses that were feeding there. And they all stood still. And afterward, about 120 great and terrible animals came from out of the wilderness at the other side of the sea. And they all came to the place where the asses were, and they placed themselves there. And those animals, now listen to this, from their middle downward were in the shape of the children of men. And from their middle upward, some had the likeness of bears, and some had the likeness of the kifas, with tails behind them from their, between their shoulders reaching down to the earth, like the tails of the tuchipat. And these animals came and mounted and rode upon these asses and led them away. And they went away into this day. So these are like, these are like uh, chimeras, like minotaurs, like like half man, half uh, half beast, which happened in those days, right? And they're going to happen again. And one of these animal animals approached Anna and smote him with his tail, and then fled from the place. So literally, you have these like 120 chimeras that like go and steal all these, you know, uh, all these uh, donkeys, and they ride off with them. But one comes up to Anna and is like, smack with his tail, and then runs off. Like, what? And when he saw this work, he was exceedingly afraid of his life, and he escaped to the, to the city. He fled and escaped to the city, and he related to his sons and his brothers all that happened to him. And many men went to seek the asses, but could not find them. And Anna and his brothers went no more to that place from that day following, for they were greatly afraid of their lives. Yeah, no kidding. And that was Yashar 36, 28-35. So again, you have this story, or you have this quick little thing in here in the, in the Torah that's like, oh yeah, this is that Anna that found the Yamim in the wilderness. And you're like, okay, well, who is this guy? Well, here's that story. So these are some of the connecting points of the book of Yashar and some of these books in general. The wisdom of Solomon, the armor of Yah. Wherefore, take unto the whole armor of Elohim that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take of the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of Elohim. We know this is the armor of Elohim, Ephesians 6. It's very possible that Paul was acquainted with the wisdom of Solomon. Again, this is one of the apocryphal books. But the righteous live forever and their reward is with Yahuwah. The Most High takes care of them. Therefore, they will receive a glorious crown and a beautiful diadem from the hand of Yahuwah because with his right hand, he will cover them. 
and with his arm he will shield them. Yahweh will take his zeal as his whole armor and will arm all creation to repel his enemies. He will put on righteousness as a breastplate and wear impartial justice as a helmet. He will take holiness as an invincible shield and sharpen stern wrath for a sword and creation will join with him to fight against the madmen. Shafts of lightning will fly with true aim and will leap to the target as from a well-drawn bow of clouds. And hailstones full of wrath will be hurled as from a catapult. The water of the sea will rage against them and rivers will relentlessly overwhelm them. A mighty wind will rise against them, and like a tempest, it will winnow them away. Lawlessness will lay waste the whole earth, and evil doing will overturn the thrones of rulers. Wisdom of Solomon 5, 15-23. Just giving you a few little excerpts here. First, Adam and Eve. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen through fifteen. So this is interesting, right? It's like this is a passage that many of us know, but we're like, well, where in the Bible did did Satan transform himself into an angel of light? Like where? There's a lot of speculation, but there's no clear-cut verse in any of the 66 book canon that, that tells us so. Here it is. When Satan, the hater of all good, saw how they continued in prayer, Adam and Eve, and how Elohim communed with them, and how he comforted them, and how he accepted their offering, Satan made an apparition. He began with transforming his hosts, right, his ministers. In his hand was a flashing fire, and they were in a great light. He then placed his throne near the mouth of the cave because he could not enter it by the reason of their prayers. And he shed light into the cave until the cave glistened over Adam and Eve while his hosts began to sing praises. And Satan did this in order that when Adam saw the light, he should think within himself that it was a heavenly light and that Satan's hosts were angels and that Elohim had sent them to watch at the cave and to give him light in the darkness. So that when Adam came out of the cave and saw them, and Adam and Eve bowed to Satan, then he would overcome Adam thereby, and a second time humble him before Elohim. When therefore Adam and Eve saw the light, fancying it was real, they strengthened their hearts. Yet, as they were trembling, Adam said to Eve, Look at that great light, and at those many songs of praise, and at that host standing outside that do not come in into us. Do not tell us, they do, I'm sorry, they do not tell us what they say, or whence they come, or what is the meaning of this light what those praises are and wherefore or why they have been sent here and why they do not come in. If they are from Elohim, they would come in and into us in the cave and would tell us their errand. Then Adam stood up and prayed unto Elohim with a fervent heart and said, O Yahuwah, is there in the world another Elohim than you who created angels and filled them with light and sent them to keep us? Who would come with them? But lo, we see these hosts that stand at the mouth of the cave. They are in a great light. They sing loud praises. If they are some, if they are of some other god than you, tell me. And if they are sent by you, inform me of the reason for which you have sent them. No sooner had Adam said this, that an angel from Elohim appeared unto him in the cave, who said unto him, O Adam, fear not. This is Satan and his hosts. He wishes to deceive you as he deceived you at first. For the first time he was hidden in the serpent, but this time he has come to you in the similitude of an angel of light, in order that when you worshipped him he might enthrall you in the very presence of Elohim. Then the angel went from Adam and seized Satan at the opening of the cave and stripped him of the faint he had assumed and brought him in his own hideous form to Adam and Eve, who were afraid of him when they saw him. 
And the angel said to Adam, This hideous form has been hidden ever since Elohim made him fall from heaven. He could not have come near you in it. Therefore he did transform himself into an angel of light. Then the angel drove away Satan and his host from Adam and Eve and said unto them, Fear not, Elohim who created you will strengthen you. First Adam and Eve, chapter 27. Ecclesiasticus, Sirach. I could spend hours on each book highlighting some of the most amazing passages in each for you. And actually, we have. Just look at the playlist section. There's lots of line-by-line -line studies on, on many of these books. But we will end with an incredibly important passage from Ecclesiasticus. I understand many are going through trials and testings. Stay the course. Stay firm in your faith and believe that Yahuwah is our shield and exceeding great reward. No matter the situation, he sees everything. In fact, all of heaven is watching. Every decision, action, motive, and thought of ours is being evaluated. This is like gold, right? Being tested in the fire. This has become one of the most important chapters for a lot of us very recently. Really listen to these words. My son or daughter, if you come forward to serve Yahuwah, prepare yourself for temptation, which is trial or testing. Set your heart right and be steadfast and do not be hasty in time of calamity. Cleave to him and do not depart, that you may be honored at the end of your life. Listen to this. Accept whatever is brought upon you and in changes that humble you be patient. For gold is tested in the fire and acceptable men in the furnace of humiliation. Trust in him and he will help you. Make your way straight and hope in him. You who fear Yahuwah, wait for his mercy and turn not aside lest you fall. You who fear Yahuwah, trust in, him, trust in him and your reward will not fail. You who fear Yahuwah, hope for good things, for everlasting joy and mercy. Consider the ancient generations and see who ever trusted in Yahuwah and was put to shame, or who ever persevered in the fear of Yahuwah and was forsaken. None. Or whoever called upon him and was overlooked. For Yahuwah is compassionate and merciful. He forgives sins and saves in times of affliction. Woe to timid hearts and to slack hands and to the sinner who walks along two ways. Woe to the faint, far, faint heart, for it has no trust. Now think about this real quick. Think about all the craziness that's going on in the world. The devil wants you to be fearful of it. But we're called to have no fear, but to fear Yah himself alone. Therefore, it will not be sheltered. Woe to you who have lost your endurance. What will you do when Yahweh punishes you? Those who fear Yahweh will not disobey his words, and those who love him will keep his ways. Those who fear Yahweh will seek his approval, and those who love him will be filled with with the Torah. Those who fear Yahuwah will prepare their hearts and will humble themselves before him. Let us fall into the hands of Yahuwah, but not into the hands of men. For as his majesty is, so also is his mercy. Ecclesiasticus, Sirach, chapter 2. So, brothers and sisters, this is just a quick overview. Um, last week, I was asked to do a short study for the Hallelujah Scriptures team uh, for their United in, or their, their Battle Cry event. And um, I was trying to fit as much as I could in an hour, but I was, I, after I had finished it, um, I was like, man, there's just more. And so I wanted to kind of expand that study, and that's that that's uh, what this is about. So very thankful for the Hallelujah Scriptures team and the amazing event that they put on, uh, helping those who are in need. And I thank you for um, asking me to do this because it, it brought me to wanting to do this study. So I pray it blesses somebody out there. Uh, sometimes studies aren't for... The billions or the millions sometimes it's just for one so even if one of you out there that had not previously considered these books and testing them because people told you all your life not to 
if this inspires you to maybe pick up that book of Enoch or two Esdras or Ecclesiasticus or first Adam and Eve or Yashar or many of the other wonderful books, if this inspired you to do that, then I, then this is all worth it. But as I said before, test these for yourself. Be like a little child and test these. Have the faith. I pray this study blessed you in some way. As always, take these matters into prayer and fasting if needed and let Yahuwah reveal to you whether these matters are true or false. Yahuwah bless you and keep you. Yahuwah make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Yahuwah lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom, which is peace. Your brother Adam. So, blessings. Let's pray. Father Yahuwah, we just come before you and thank you, Father, I believe in this late hour that when many are going to and fro that you have increased knowledge and you've done so by showing us these books that were hidden for the wise. Father, I pray that we be the wise even according to that parable, the wise and the foolish, I pray that we are the wise, Father. And we know that the wise are those that love you and love people with all their heart, soul, and mind and do so according to your commandments. Father, I pray, if nothing else, that even someone that may have not understood that your Torah is to be followed would now seek you and ask you whether your Torah is to be followed. And I pray that you'd answer them and show them, Father. Thank you so much for all you do and thank you for allowing us to, to study together and to grow together. And we, we just await Yahushua's return. Come and gather your people, Father. In Yahushua's mighty name. Amen. Blessings to you, brothers and sisters. And, um, well, after this is over, um, we'll have our Torah portion tonight, which uh, covers Numbers 15, 13 through 15, the 12 spies, and uh, many other things. So, Shabbat Shalom and blessings to you. We'll start with a new song, uh, which is Psalm 69. Shalom.